happened to me. Well, uh, this is actually one of like three days out of the year that's it's known around the country as National Youth Ministers Preach Day. Um, Labor Day, Memorial Day, and probably sometime over the Christmas holidays. Youth ministers everywhere today are celebrating. Um, it's a fabulous and wonderful day. So if you're visiting with us today, know I'm not the regular preacher, and afterwards you'll probably be relieved. So, Glad that you're here with us. I want to talk to you just for a minute about our summer that we had um, with our youth group. We had a fantastic summer. I've done youth ministry for 17 years of my life. This may be the best summer I've ever had in youth ministry, and that's thanks to most of those guys right there. Um, No, all those guys right there. They're awesome. Uh, We had a great, great summer. We had a great time at Camp Blue Haven, uh, focusing on the book of Ephesians, Uh, Six of our kids were baptized at Blue Haven, another two uh, at different camps during the summer for a total of eight. Uh, We took a great group to Tulsa, one of the things that we do each and every year to work with the Contact Church of Christ there. Uh, Wonderful trip, and we rounded it out with a middle school retreat that was a road trip of sorts, um, a first for middle school retreat. Um, This next year, we're going back to HEB camp, though, because road trips are for the birds when you can go out to Lakey. So, Um, that'll be a lot of fun. But our theme for the summer was surrender. Uh, Surrender, what an interesting word. You see, a lot of times when we think about the idea of surrender, we think about the negative side of that, losing a battle, not being victorious. But really, as we think about being people who surrender our lives to God, we give willingly knowing that He has won the victory. We give of ourselves knowing that he has overcome. And so we took a look um, at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1 and 1 and 2. Each time that we gather together in the youth center, in case you don't know, we start by saying scripture, and then we sing together, and then we dive into our Bible study. And our scripture for the summer was Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And it says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. A beautiful description of what surrender looks like. That we follow Christ's example and give ourselves up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so this morning what I want us to do is take a look um, at a few different things that maybe we need to work on surrendering in our lives, giving them over to God. And so the first thing I want us to talk about is how to surrender our identity, to surrender your identity. One of my favorite examples of this comes from the classic movie, The Lion King. They released a live-action version of it this summer, I don't know why they keep releasing live-action versions of films that were perfectly fine as cartoons, but whatever. Uh, It's still an incredible story. And if you're not familiar with it, I'd encourage you to watch it. Uh, But the story takes place in the jungle, in the Pride Lands of Africa, and Mufasa is the king of the Pride Lands, and his son Simba is born. And um, through a series of unfortunate events, Uh, Mufasa is killed in a stampede. I know, spoiler alert, but it came out in like 94, so you should be okay. Um, He's killed in a stampede, and Simba, not knowing that it was really his uncle that orchestrated the whole thing, takes on this guilt and this shame, and he leaves the Pride Lands. Well, Uncle Scar takes over, and things go very, very poorly 
in the Pride Lands. And so they search out for Simba. Rafiki the monkey, Rafiki the baboon, excuse me, finds him and takes him to this body of water and he says, look into the water. And he looks and he sees himself, but as he looks closer, he sees a reflection of his father. And then this beautiful scene takes place where up in the clouds, a vision of his father Mufasa comes to him. And in that big, booming James Earl Jones voice, he closes that time by saying, Simba, remember who you are. I was going to try and impersonate the voice, but it wouldn't work. But you heard it in your head right then, didn't you? Remember who you are. What powerful words Mufasa says to his son, because Simba had forgotten that he was really the son of the king. He was the one, and he had forgotten You see, we as a people forget what our true identity is because it's taken from us uh, by this world. Satan works to have us forget that we are sons and daughters of the king. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, we hold on to these identities that aren't really ours. They're not bad things, necessarily, but maybe our identity is that we are a hard worker, And we put in effort, and you know that when uh, someone asks you to do something, you're going to give it all you've got. Or maybe your identity is in being a parent, and you pour your energy into your children. Maybe your identity is being a good spouse, a student, an athlete, an artist. Or maybe it's just based on success. But whatever it is, we have these identities that we hold on to that really aren't who we truly are. And as Paul says there in Colossians chapter 3, he asks us to hide our life with Christ in God. To hide it so much so that people don't see us, they see him. Are you someone who struggles with finding your identity in other things? And what or whom is your identity found? I hope and pray that we'll be the people of God who our lives are so hidden in Christ that He is our life, that that's all people see when they encounter us, that we surrender those other things, as good as some of them might be, in order to take on the identity of being a son or daughter of the King. Are you willing this morning to surrender your identity? The second thing I want us to think about this morning is surrendering your body. You know, Paul talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 about that quite a bit. He's addressing a big issue that's there in the church at the time. Uh, They were having issues with going to the temples of the idols and uh, being with prostitutes in the temple and and being sexually improper. And so starting in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Skip down to verse 18. It says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, 
Honor God with your bodies. He gives a very strong charge here for us to surrender our bodies to God. And he's talking about sexual immorality, but there's more at work there because our bodies do not belong to us. They belong to God. The church there was struggling with that issue, but there's more to it there. Do we use our bodies to do things that go against who God made us to be? But you see, it's not just about avoiding evil. It's also about doing good. You see, do we have issues with being sexual with people we aren't married to? Do we struggle with lust? Do we mistreat our bodies by consuming things that are harmful to them? Drugs, alcohol, a misuse of food? Do we use our bodies to the glory of God? Do we use our bodies to serve in the kingdom of God? And you see, it's not just about avoiding evil, but also doing good. In order to surrender our bodies, we need to be people who act as though we were bought at a price. I don't know about you, but anytime I've ever borrowed anything from anyone, I hear voices ringing in my head saying, return it better than you found it. Anybody else ever grow up hearing that or... That's your motto? Okay, a couple people are still awake. That's good. Okay, good. Um, Man, that's one thing we always do. When we go on trips in the summer, when we go stay at a school in Tulsa for our mission trip, we say, we're going to leave this place cleaner than we found it, which was pretty easy this last year, just honestly. Um, But we are going to be people who take care of things, because when someone loans you something, you tend to want to take care of it better than you do if it's your own. And so... God has blessed us with the body that we have. How do we view that? Do we view it as our own? Or do we view it as something that was bought with a precious price? Do we view our bodies as our own or as a tool that God has given us to serve Him? It's not just about avoiding evil, although that should be at the top of our list of things to do. But it's also about doing good. Do you give your energy and your time to God? Do you find ways to serve with your physical body? Do you avoid sexual immorality and other things that are harmful? Do you give with the body that you've been given? Are you ready to surrender your body this morning? Third, I want to challenge us this morning to surrender your stuff. Your stuff. In Romans chapter 1, Paul once again is talking about sexual impropriety in the church. But there's something else at work there, too. He says in chapter 1, starting in verse 24, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. But look at what he says next. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. You see, again, it's the context of sexuality, but we see another issue at work here. Worshiping the created things rather than the Creator. You know, God has blessed us tremendously. I look around this room and we, we all have abundance. God has blessed us. We have more in this day and age than any other generation ever, and in our surpluses, it's really easy for us to continue to want more and bigger and better. The old mantra, he who dies with the most toys wins, still reigns in our culture. It's easy to chase after more and bigger and better. It's easy to worship the created things. 
All the wonderful things in our world pale in comparison to the one who made them, though. And so the question I have for us today is, do we worship created things or the Creator? How attached are you to your things? If I asked you if you could leave home without your phone, could you do it? Some of you are like, yeah, I really want to, but I feel like I can't. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's other things that we have. Are, are we attached to, um, to the things that we've been blessed with, the money that we have? Uh, do we feel like we, we can't be hospitable with our home because it's not as good as someone else's? Maybe if we surrender our stuff, a good way to do that would be to be hospitable with your things and with your home. It's easy to compare and say, well, my house isn't good enough for a home group. Maybe that's an easy way for you to serve, though. Maybe you can be someone who lends and shares. We have a couple of communities, our Bob's List and Sister Talk, where people ask all the time for help with different things or recommendations. How can you serve with your things in that way? If someone asks for your shirt, give them your jacket as well, right? Are we attached to our things? Do we worship created things, or do we worship the Creator? How easy would it be to surrender your stuff to God this morning? Are we attached? Are we willing to let go? Now, we've talked about surrendering our identity and our body and our stuff. Three things that kind of make sense, and so I want to throw a curveball because youth minister. Um, And so this morning, I want us to think about surrendering our preferences. Surrendering our preferences. Now, here's what I mean. Last Sunday, and I won't ask for a show of hands, How many of you went to lunch and complained about songs that were sung that morning? I just heard a couple giggles. How many of you went back to lunch and talked about how the preacher preached that Sunday? You see, this is a really easy thing for us to do. When we go out to lunch together, we talk about, oh, well, I like this song, but man, those songs, I did not like those. I can't believe someone, we didn't even know that song. Why would we sing that song? Or maybe we talk about how the order of things happened, and, and, or maybe it's, you know, how Charlie preached that day, and uh, we, we talk and we critique and we kind of go play by play through the order of, of worship that day. But here's the deal. If I ask you right now to get out your order of worship and to get a pen and to start to write and to build your own order of worship, let you be the quarterback this week. You'd start writing down songs. Ooh, I like this one. Uh, eh, I don't know if I care for that one. I think the topic of the sermon would be, would be this, and I think this is how I would preach it. And all. If I had you do that right now, and we just kind of took them all up and we compared, do you know what we would find? We would find that there might be a couple of songs that match up on some of those. But say we have 500 people here this morning, do you know how many unique individual wor- orders of worship we would have? 500. Some of you guys know, right? None of them would match up. And here's the thing. We have a really difficult time surrendering our preferences. We all like different songs and different ways of doing things, 
Some like older hymns more. Others like to sing newer songs. Some people want a mix of those two. Some people want a more upbeat service, somewhat more contemplative. And we sit here together this morning trying to mix those things together. But ultimately, we are the people who, who have to make the choice to leave those preferences aside and join together in worship to our God. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What challenging words Paul writes there in Ephesians 4. Be completely humble and gentle. But James, I know what songs we need to sing, and if we just sing it like this, we get more people to come to the church. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. But if we just had this style, I think this would really jive, and we could really do something, get some momentum going. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. These are not easy words that Paul calls us to as the church. I was talking to a friend of mine at camp this summer, and uh, we were talking about this passage because we were getting ready to teach it, and, uh, and they said, you know, James, when he says make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, unity isn't uniformity. Unity isn't uniformity. When we let our preferences, which aren't necessarily bad things, rule and lead us to fussing or complaining, we are not being patient and bearing with one another in love. Just because someone prefers to do things a little differently or likes a different set of songs does not give us the right to complain and grumble. What if instead we sought ways of seeing how God is moving in our worship assemblies and in our church? What if our preferences took a backseat to us seeing God at work? Really, it comes down to where is your heart? And so the last thing I want us to think about this morning is Are we willing to surrender our heart? You know, maybe we should have started here. Jesus, when he's asked about what the greatest command is, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your... You can fill in the blank. You are awake. Okay, good. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It also says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, everything comes from our heart. And so this morning, if you've thought, man, I'm, I'm too wrapped up, my identity is too wrapped up in being fill-in-the-blank, and you make that change, but you haven't surrendered your heart, will it take? If you said, I need to be more hospitable and open to sharing what God has blessed with me, but you haven't surrendered your heart, is it going to take? If you need to surrender more time, you need to surrender your body, if you need to surrender Um, your preferences to God, but you haven't changed your heart, you haven't surrendered your heart to God, will it take? You know, Jesus tells another parable in Scripture. He says, no one puts new wine in old wineskins. No, instead they put new wine in new wineskins so that the wine will not burst, or the wineskin will not burst and the wine fall out on the ground. You see, if you haven't surrendered your heart to God, those other things may not take, but that's the start. That's where it begins. As you think this morning, I want you to think about where you are 
in all this? Have you surrendered your heart to God? Do you struggle with holding on to identities that aren't wrapped up in who Christ is? Do you sacrifice and surrender your body to the calling that God has given you? Are you willing to share the blessings that he's poured out in your life? And are you willing to take a back seat and see really where God is moving, even if it's things, songs, or styles that you don't care for? Where is your heart? In just a moment, we're going to sing an old hymn that has beautiful, beautiful words. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. It is a struggle to surrender our lives fully to God. But this morning, if you're here and you're wanting to make that commitment and wanting to put Christ on in baptism and surrender all to God, we'd ask that you come here in just a moment. If you've got struggles in your life and you're struggling with surrendering these things to God, let us pray with you this morning. If you'd like to be a part of what God's doing here, and continually help each of us surrender our lives to God. We pray that you do so by coming forward as we stand and as we sing this song together.